1: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brickenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR.
0: Look, medical misinformation is a big problem these days. And there are various platforms that exist for people to spelt these views. I want to get into some of that. Now, we've got a trial underway this week. It's the retrial, in fact, of David and Colette Stephan, who in 2016 were convicted of failing to provide the necessaries of life in the death of their child, Ezekiel, who died as a result of bacterial meningitis, treatable bacterial meningitis, had he only been taken to see a doctor. Instead, he was treated with so-called natural remedies. Now, as I say, they were convicted in 2016. It was upheld by the Alberta Court of Appeal. The Supreme Court of Canada, however ruled that there was fault in the way the judge had instructed the jury and ordered a retrial. So that's underway this week. It's a judge-only trial. But certainly David Stefan, in particular, through it all, has really refused to take any kind of accountability and has tried to make himself into a martyr and has used the attention of the trial as a platform to spout his, what I think are troubling and dangerous views on so-called alternative health. There's a story this week about a Montreal naturopath and the commentaries that she's posting on YouTube, anti-vaccine commentaries that are completely at odds with the medical evidence. But YouTube refuses to do anything about it. So how do we counter all of this? Well, joining us uh, for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome to the program Timothy Caulfield at the University of Alberta. He's Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy. He's Research Director of the Health Law Institute and a professor in the Faculty of Law and the School of Public Health. He is the host of A User's Guide to Cheating Death on Netflix. He is also author of the book, Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? Tim, great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Uh, thanks, Rob. Let's start with the trial of David and Collette Stefan. Obviously, this is a tragic situation, the death of a child, and I'm, I'm sure they do mourn that child. But we, we've got some issues here where, you know, the justice system needs to to hold people accountable for what happened. On the other hand, th- this has really given the couple, or David in particular, a platform to spout what I think is fair to call some, some pretty anti-scientific views.
1: Yeah, I, I think you've outlined... The challenge perfectly, you know, on the one hand let 's hold these people accountable let 's create a precedent um, on the other hand, he seems to love to be in the limelight. He loves this kind of situation. this is a platform, and we 're going to hear a lot from him over the next four weeks and If you go to his Facebook page and unfortunately, I do that <laughs> it 's infuriating um you 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 hear his conspiracy theories right and he's created a community that that loves that stuff so uh yeah on the one hand accountability on the other hand we're giving this guy a platform
0: right and 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 he's used it, and we've seen how he's used it right where even the, when when the system did hold him accountable the first time where he was found guilty, obviously the Supreme Court ordered a, a new trial. but you know the it allows him to to take on this this martyrdom status right that the the system is is out to get him and and here's other ways that the system is is out to get you i mean it plays into his message, but that that shouldn't deter us from from holding him accountable if we believe we need to right.
1: Yeah no absolutely i don't think we should be distracted by that that noise uh and and he, and he really does you know it's re- emph- it's worth emphasizing this he really has ramped up the conspiracy theory uh, language right he's talking about you know a cover up you know about how he needs to expose the corruption of the entire system Alberta Health Services is, is withholding and there's even almost this implication that they're tampering with evidence right and of course the judge has a bias so he's really setting up this this powerful story right the, about about how he's being persecuted which by the way will mean no matter what the result is he's going to be able to spin the story right if he wins he'll say he's been vindicated see there was corruption if he loses he'll say see (laughs) there's been there's corruption and bias and that's why i was convicted so we can't i don't think we can just let that distract us from 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 moving this case forward in a in a in a way that that you know gets to the bottom of it but but in addition to that i think it's really important to emphasize we shouldn't overinterpret the results like win or lose it's going to likely turn on some pretty technical legal matters, right? And so even if he wins, it does not mean that his pseudoscience is correct, right? And and that often happens with court cases, right? Court cases can turn on very technical legal, legal matters that are... Uh, separate from the relevant science and evidence.
0: Right. I mean, ultimately, the takeaway, regardless of what happens at the trial, I think it's, you're speaking to here, that, that a child who is suffering from bacterial meningitis needs medical attention, and we have ways of treating bacterial meningitis. It, it needn't be a death sentence for a child.
1: A- exactly right. And, and you know, the, the strategies proposed by, you know, naturopaths for fighting these things don't necessarily work, you know, or, or almost certainly don't don't work. Um, and uh, that this kind of distrust of, of conventional medicine is not necessarily supported by the evidence. So, you know, I think we have to remember that, right? Not let him take us down his rabbit hole.
0: Well, you talk about that rabbit hole. I mean, the first trial was only three years ago in 2016, but it almost seems as though this problem of, of medical misinformation is, has gotten worse since then. Is that your sense?
1: Yeah, for sure. I actually think this trial is more relevant today than it was in 2016, right? It really has become, and we've talked about this before, right? This really has become the era of misinformation. So, you know, I think this is more relevant today, but at the same time, it is uh, more challenging to, uh, because, you know, the era of misinformation is thriving precisely because these kind of polarized discussions that people like uh, David Stefan fuel,
0: Right. And, and there are other people out there that have an even bigger platform than, than David Stefan does. I mean, we got the story this week about this uh, YouTuber, calls herself Montreal Healthy Girl. And, and there have been all kinds of, of experts raising the alarm about the sorts of things she's been putting out on YouTube about vaccines. Pretty clearly erroneous and dangerous, even I would say, information. Uh, and we got the situation now where YouTube is basically saying Google is saying that, well, you know, we're, we're not going to take this down. So how, how do we combat this stuff?
1: Well, first, I think it's important to emphasize that, you know, this does matter. You know, some of your listeners may say, well, you know, smart people don't listen to that baloney. This is just, you know, it's a Darwin (laughs) coming, playing out. That's not the case. There's really compelling research that shows that just being exposed to that information, just having that stuff out there circulating uh, can be problematic. You know, it's called the availability bias, right? You know, you you hear about something enough, it it starts to have more credibility. So we do need to do something about it, but there is this fascinating tension. You know, I'm a big I'm a big believer in freedom of speech, right? And and so there is a really fascinating tension that I think our society is going to need to wrestle with, and how to deal with these with these kinds of issues on social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, I, I think something needs to be done, uh, but it is going to be a challenge.
0: What is? And ideally, we could counter misinformation with accurate information. You know, from from YouTube's perspective, I mean, I, I can see it both ways. If, you know, if I ran a platform, I wouldn't want to be giving a platform to people like that. But as you say, there is the, the free speech side of things, too. So where, where do we find a balance?
1: Yeah, there's this worry, right, that there can be these individuals sort of unilaterally deciding what the truth is. And, and, and that is tough in a liberal democracy to have that kind of unilateral uh, uh, approach. Now, there have been some suggestions that, you know, that you, you have warning signs or that you have suggestions that you create algorithms that ensure that misinformation doesn't pop up near the top of a search engine. You know, I think there are things that... That can be done in a transparent manner, I think that's important, so we know what's going on, uh, that will at least make the situation better, because th- we're not. Gonna, this isn't going to be one of those issues where you just solute, uh, solve it with one uh, solution, one tool. We need to bring everything we can to bear uh, on this problem. Yeah.
0: Look, and, and ultimately, this is about the kinds of information that the parents are getting and the decisions they're making about their, their children's health care, and we, we want them to be making the best possible decisions. You wrote an interesting op-ed recently about the point at which maybe young people can start to take some of that on themselves and this we are seeing but i don't know if you call it a, a growing movement just yet but but teenagers who are taking it upon themselves to try to fix those mistakes and and get themselves those vaccines that they were denied when they were younger at, at what point is it is it reasonable to 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 allow that encourage that
1: well i i think i think you're right and and there's some evidence that supports that 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 there are you know, teenagers are. You know, it's the information age, and, and they may be you know stronger advocates for for science. Um, and uh, if if a if a teenager is competent. Um to make their own decisions, then their consent is necessary and sufficient. You don't need to get the consent of parents, and that's the law in alberta. Um, and you know that some parents may find that scary, but that is the law and and we don't have an age of consent. so someone uh, some if a kid is is intelligent and competent and can understand the risks and benefits, then they are the individual that should be approached, and they're the individuals that, that can consent. And, and I think that we need to remind ourselves of that. And that also speaks to the importance, by the way, of educating teenagers, right? Not indoctrinating them, but educating them and, and, and letting them have the critical thinking skills that, that will make them good decision makers.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it almost seems counterintuitive to think that the younger people might be more media savvy these days, but I, I think there's something to that in a lot of ways.
1: I think so too, you know, and, and anecdotally here I'm not using that science, I'm being a hypocrite, but anecdotally I, I have the opportunity to speak to uh, a lot of teenagers, uh, you know, at, at public forums and stuff, and you really get that sense, right? They're they're frustrated by the misinformation, they're frustrated by the, you know this anti-vax dilemma that that is spreading, you know, they want to have a voice, and and you know what? They do have a voice, and they should be acting on it.
0: Well, maybe a sign of hope uh, amid all the doom and gloom. Professor Caulfield, we'll leave it there. Always appreciate the insight. Tim, uh, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Thanks a lot, Rob. There you go. Timothy Caulfield of the University of Alberta, also uh, the host of the Netflix show, A User's Guide to Cheating Death, and the author of the book is Gwyneth Paltrow, Wrong About Everything. Our number here, 403 974 talk We're back with more right after this.
1: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary. Canada may
0: be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective.